All right, back again for a Cash Medi podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Padres, some uh, Will Myers rumors, going to get into you know the spring training, what I'm looking forward to. I'm going to talk some Aztecs basketball as they continue to beat everybody that they've played, 26-0. And I'm going to talk some NFL draft. But let's start with um, we had Kevin E.C. writing about, you know, Austin Hedges and how he's getting back to the basics. And it's just... A tradition like no other with Kevin Acey. You know he's writing those articles every goddamn spring training. It's a bunch of bullshit. I'm tired of Kevin Acey. He's a lazy writer. He's he's one of the worst beat writers I've ever seen. We need to ship this guy out of town. Put him like on the Seattle Mariners. Make him the beat writer for them, man. I'm getting sick of his bullshit. You knew that article was coming out. I'm sure we're going to get a Will Myers is in the best shape of his life article. You know, and how he's motivated this year, and we'll probably get a, you know, I mean, I like Eric Hosmer, but we're probably going to get an Eric Hosmer's really learning defense with this new coach, Dickerson, or whatever his name is, and his launch angle is going to be better in spring training. It's just the same old articles. I mean, Meyer's going to be in the best shape. I mean, last time I heard someone say he was in the best shape was Apollo Creed in Rocky Four, and how did that end up? If he dies, he dies. So, you know, what have you with Kevin Acey? I think he's a bum. But getting back to Myers um, and the rumors with Boston, I think it makes sense. I don't know why Padre Twitter, you know, is kind of up in arms on it. I think it makes a lot of sense is Boston needs prospects right now. They need prospects in a big-time way. Yeah, they got um, Verdugo and they got Downs. From the Dodgers, but they're gonna they're gonna need more than just that. They possibly could be losing picks. I think that's gonna probably happen this week. It sounds like they're gonna come to a conclusion on that on their investigation. I don't know. Maybe they don't lose any picks. Maybe they they didn't do anything wrong or they don't find anything wrong with Boston. But if they do lose picks, that's even more of an incentive for them to you know basically they would be buying Myers. Or buying prospects and just taking on Myers' contract. Now, I see a lot of people, oh, if Luis Camposano's in the deal, there's no way you do this. Like, I don't know what Padre Twitter is like thinking. You're not going to give up three low-tier prospects and Myers' contract and and get un, get out of the contract. Um, there's a lot of rumors going around, even with Nick Zenzel. From the Reds, the Padres might be interested in him. I saw Hacksaw right before I came on, even tweeted that out. Um, but I was told, you know, earlier today, late afternoon, that they they were hearing a Padre um, trade with Zenzel in a three-way trade with the Red Sox. I don't know who's going to be involved in the, what what names are involved. You know, Hacksaw had Camposano going to Cincinnati and... And um, Myers and thirty million going to the Red Sox, and and Bradley going to Cincinnati, and the Padres getting Zinzel. Um, that'd be great and everything. I don't know why Boston would do that. Why are you taking on Myers and thirty million if you're not getting you know some prospects back? Going back to let's just say, why would Boston take on Myers and and get, or why would the Padres want to? you know, give up some prospects just to get rid of Myers or only half of his contract. Well, I mean, if 
the original, you know, AC put out, Quantro, Camposuano, and Gabriel Arias, names are being tossed around. Well, if Camposuano is going to be involved in the in the deal, I think, you know, you're you're going to get rid of more than just half of Myers' contract. I would say you get rid of 75%, if not full percent, and if if it's Quantro, you know, Camposuano, and someone else. Like even if it's Gabriel Arias, if it was all three of those guys, I would I would still do it if I got rid of all of Myers's contract. Because if you get rid of the whole thing, you're talking about sixty million. That's twenty extra million each year, you know, that you could spend on free agents. I mean, that's a really good player at twenty million a year. I don't know why people aren't really looking at it that way. Let, let's let's think of Quantrill right now. The bullpen is pretty loaded right now, and. You got five starters. You got Davies or Davis, whatever. Um, you got uh, Lucchese as your back end. You got um, Richards, Lament, and uh, Paddock as your front three. Now Richards is is definitely a question mark. So you could say, well, you got you would have Quantrill kind of backing him up. I mean, you pretty much have Gore that can take Quantrill's spot right there. Okay, Gore's going to be ready. I mean, he could pitch opening day, you know, be on the team opening day if he has a good spring training. Um, I was talking to John Conniff on my Periscope the other day on Sunday, and him and I both agreed, like, Gore could be on the team right now this year starting, you know, opening day. It's just how do they want to limit his innings? I don't know if they want to, you know, I think he threw about 120 innings last year. So, I mean, he could throw 150 if they want. If they want to limit his innings and control his innings, then he's probably going to start in AAA. But that's, you know, going back to Quantrill, it's like, where where's his fit? Because they got so much depth in the bullpen now. When they got Pagan, you got Yates, you got, you know, let's say Pagan's the eighth inning guy, Pomeranz is a seventh, you know, Munoz is like seventh or eighth, you know, on days off that those guys need, what have you. That's that's four guys. Jose Castillo's in there. That's five. You know, Stammen you just paid. And Stammen's probably going to be your long reliever guy for like two innings type of guy because he's kind of a workhorse, dude. I mean, I know a lot of Padre Twitter doesn't really like him, but I think if they use him better and, and don't use him three, four straight days like uh, Andy Green did at times, I think he's going to have a successful season better than what Padre Twitter probably thinks. And you also have Strong. And let's say let's say with Quantrill, you say, well, I like Quantrill and the games that Davis and Lucchese pitch that you could you need a guy to go two innings to get to the, you know, let's just say the sixth, seventh inning because Lucchese or Davis only goes four or five innings. Okay, that's fine. I mean, but I think Strom and Stammen can do that. And if not, I mean, shit, Michelle Baez can do that. Morahan can do that. And then come next year, come next year, you're going to have a starting rotation of Gore, Patino, Paddock as one, two, three, whatever order. And then you're going to have Lament. You have four solid, like you're going to have four solid pitchers right from the get-go. And number five, you could say, well, Quattro could be five. Well, you're going to have Michelle Baez as maybe a five. Morahan maybe as a five. Lucchese as a, maybe a five. Davis as maybe a five. That's four guys that are better than Quantrill. So I don't see where Quantrill fits on the team. Once they got as many guys as they got in the offseason to the bullpen, I was thinking to myself, okay, Michelle Baez is definitely going to be a starter, 
And then I was thinking to myself, where does Quantrill fit? Quantrill's going to get traded. So I see Quantrill getting traded. I don't think he's that valuable to the Padres. Now you could say, well, do it in a different deal and not just give up prospects just to shed salary. Well, I think if you shed Myers' salary, I think it'd be a great move personally because I think you can move on and sign someone. You could go get, you know, what do you whatever you need come next year. Camposuano, if he, you know, is involved in the deal, uh, let's just say it was just straight with Boston. I mean, yeah, I don't like giving up a, a Camposuano, but if it's if it's Camposuano and Quantrill, and you can get rid of more than fifty percent of the qu- contract, I'm in. You put all three of them in in the deal, and you get rid of hundred percent of the contract. I'm all in, dude. Um, get rid of that contract. Use that sixty million. Go get go get go get someone else that's going to make an impact in 2021, 2022, and 23. I mean, I think you could have a big difference there. As far as Zenzel goes, I think that would be great to go get him. I don't know why the Reds would really trade him unless they get someone like a Kirby Yates. I mean, I don't see why they would just do it for Jackie Bradley and uh, Luis Camposuano because that doesn't make your team better this year. Zenzel's going to be better than Jackie Bradley. and I mean, if they just want a defensive center fielder, I mean, okay. It seems like the Reds are kind of in this year. I don't know why they would, you know. Get, I mean, yeah, Camposuano, they probably don't have a minor league catcher that, that as good as him. I mean, that's a good get and everything. But Zenzel was, Nick Zenzel was a top 10 prospect not too long ago. Um, he's got some injury concerns. But, I mean, he can move to second base. He could play center field maybe, right field. Um, I mean, the kid can play. Kid can hit. And you would have five years of control on him, I think, five or six. Um, I would I would give up a lot to get that kid because that kid could hit. And my concern right now is not pitching. I think the pitching, especially come next year, especially next year when Gore and Patino, you know, get their feet wet this year. And you come into next year, Pag's got – Two years under his belt, Gore has, you know, whatever, 80% of a season under his belt. Patino has, you know, 30% of a season under his belt in the major leagues. And you go into next year with those three guys and Lament. Um, Michelle Baez should, should pitch some in the majors this year again. I don't know if Morahan will, but, I mean, you're going to have a really strong staff in the bullpen. The only guy you're probably losing is Kirby Yates. I mean, the bullpen – is still going to be good with Pomeranz, you know, Castillo's young, you know. Another guy's Javi Guerra. John Conniff brought up on my Periscope. I mean, I kind of forgot about them. I mean, he's got a shot. So I think it's all worth it. I would love to get Zenzel or to get rid of Myers' contract. If you got rid of 30% of Myers' contract and you somehow get Nick Zenzel, that'd be great too. I, I'm i all in, dude. Make one of those deals. As far as Francisco Lindor goes, to me that one that trade doesn't make sense. Um, if I'm the Indians, I'm asking you're not going to get Gore, but I'm asking for Patino and I'm asking for you know like something else like Tremel or somebody else too. So I'm asking for at least Patino and another top hundred prospect, and then in, like a Gabriel Arias. So I'm asking for three for one, and it just doesn't make sense because even if you get Lindor, you're not going to the World Series this year anyway. Yeah, you you would probably make the wild card with Lindor. I mean, you'd have a really, 
you know, one through five lineup would be stacked. But you're not. Why would I want to add Lindor when I'm not going to go to the World Series this year? He's not going to put me over the top this year. And I just gave up, you know, someone like Patino. I wouldn't even do it for Patino straight up because it's only two years of Lindor. Now you could say, well, you could sign him. Well, I mean, shit, yeah. You could sign him, but you don't know. You don't know that. He's going to ask for a shitload. I mean, he's probably one of, if not the best shortstops in baseball. Uh, Javi Baez. Um, defensively, Lindor's a stud. You would have to move to, t- to center field. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, he's a left-handed bat. And that would help because they need left-handed bat badly. But I just, like I said, I mean, Patino would have to be in that deal. There's just no way. Unless they're saying... You know, Camposano, Tramiel, Morahan, Baez, and something else. I mean, even that, I don't, I just, I'm not giving up a shitload of prospects for a guy who's only got two years left and one of the years I'm not going to, I don't have a chance of winning the World Series. Nick Zenzel, you would have five or six years of him by year 2021. Maybe you have a chance at winning a World Series with a, with a guy like him. You know, that's why he, he would be much more attractive to me than Lindor. Obviously, Lindor is a lot better player, but it's going to cost more. So, I, I personally, I heard Hacks or I saw Hacksaw's reported trade offer. I got a feeling that Cincinnati would want Kirby Yates because I would feel like they want, they want something for this year. Um, but... I would do. I would really like to get Zenzel. Uh, moving to the Aztecs basketball, I got to talk about them at least for a little while. The Aztecs, dude, are really impressive. At tw- I think they're twenty six and zero, whatever their record is, undefeated. And Creighton just won tonight against Marquette on the road. Creighton is twelve, and Marquette was nineteen. Um, Creighton's probably going to be in the top ten because when you win a road road game against a top twenty five team, I mean that's that's huge. Um, the Aztecs have just been so impressive all season long. And I think it just, Dutcher's just not getting, in my opinion, he's not getting the recognition that he deserves. He is, he has just been phenomenal as a coach. And let me explain some things that I've seen from the team. The ball movement all season long has just been fantastic. There's not a player on the team that I don't like. Usually on the Aztecs, there's there's one or two guys that I just can't stand. I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah, the guy's got talent, but he's always turning it over, taking bad shots. I mean, Winston Shepard. I liked Winston Shepard probably a lot more than most of you did, but fuck, man. He would turn it over or take, take bad shots all the time. He used to drive me nuts. Malik Pope never played to his expectation. was soft as could be. Would turn it over too, and he wouldn't really take bad shots. He wasn't like a ball hog, but there was times it's like, dude, just go to the post, and he would, he would, always sit out the three point line and was soft. He didn't want to go to the post. He's six ten, six eleven, and he had nice post moves. I was like, dude, get down in the post. He didn't want to do it. Um, uh, Jamal Franklin would just take terrible shots, turn it over year after year. There's nobody on this team that does any of that. You got Fagan came over from Santa Clara. Guys averaging 16 points a game from Santa Clara. That's a scores. That's a scores mentality. He he knows how to score. Right. Comes over here. He barely shoots at all. What do they do? He put him. 
he's their best on the ball defender. They put him on either their, the point guard or shooting guard, whoever the team's best player is out, out of those two positions. Whoever their best guard is, Fagan's guarding him. Hasn't said a peep about, hey, I, I'm not getting enough shots. Or when he gets the ball, he doesn't just jack one up because, hey, I haven't shot in the first eight minutes of the game. Doesn't do any of that. He just plays defense, takes open threes. He gets to the lane a lot, and he's just not tall enough to shoot over people. But he knows his role. Matt Mitchell, at the beginning of the season, didn't even start. The first two seasons, his freshman and sophomore year, he's starting. Comes in his junior year, and Dutcher's like, okay, you got to come off the bench. Not a peep out of him. Didn't complain. Came in great shape. Lost some weight. Has been absolutely phenomenal all season long. First off the bench, he was pretty good. He gave him a spark. And he didn't come off the bench and be like, all right, I'm I'm the sixth man off the bench. I need to get my shots, so I'm just going to jack up a bunch of shots. Didn't do any of that. Has been playing good defense, rebounds. Now that Mensa got hurt, um, he's been able to start and has given him great minutes. And it's been phenomenal. You know, he... He passes, he rebounds, he plays, he goes to the post, he takes guys out to the three-point line, whatever. Screens, whatever they whatever they ask from him. That's this is all coaching, in my opinion. Uh Wetzel, he comes from Vanderbilt. He didn't do shit at Vanderbilt. I mean, when they got him, I, I looked him up. I was like, eh, whatever. Not that big of a deal. He's been one of the most phenomenal players I've seen for the Aztecs. He could go left hand, right hand, passes. You know, he, he turns it over sometimes in the post, but not a ball hog. Rebounds, plays defense. Everyone is believing in each other and is obviously believing in the coach and getting getting down and playing defense. There's not one guy that is lazy on defense. Shackle, uh, Jordan Shackle, even, you know, first year, he was kind of a liability on defense. Now, he plays pretty good, damn good defense. I'm very impressed with him. He shoots sometimes a little too much on three-pointers, but... I mean, just a tad. I'm not going to complain about that. Malachi Flynn. There's plenty of times Malachi Flynn can shoot more and try to score 25, 30 points. And they wouldn't even be that bad of shots. But he doesn't. He he plays within the offense. He gets a bunch of assists. There was there was an assist the other day against Boise State. He had like, he was going for like 12, 14 in the first half. And, oh, it was like a, it was like a three-on-one. He, he broke the press. And he kicks it out for a three-pointer. And I was just so impressed because he he probably had like a seven, ten-foot floater in the lane. Where when you're kind of feeling it, he was like five or six from the field at the time. When you're kind of feeling it in basketball, basketball is the only sport I was actually halfway decent at. When you're feeling it as a scorer, you're going to take that shot more times than not. Especially if you're a little bit selfish. He's not selfish at all. He kicked it out to Jordan Shackle for three. I mean, I was amazed. Like, I was just so impressed because I was like, damn, he he was thinking the team 1,000% on it. He, he figured Shackle can make an open three better than my 10-foot floater. No one would have complained if he shot that 10-foot floater. No one would have because it would have been a good shot. But he went for the better shot. I've just been so impressed all season long, the way they've played. And whenever they struggle... They find a way that whenever they struggle, they find a way to either, I mean, they play really good defense or somebody comes off the bench, you know, Pulliam or 
you know, uh, somebody scores off the bench that you just don't even expect. Like, you you know you're going to get from Flynn. You know what you're going to get from Wetzel. Now you know what you're going to get from Mitchell. Now they have basically three guys. And then either Shackle has a good game or Fagan has a good game or Pulliam or whatever the I'm, – I'm drawing a blank, Akoy or whatever his name is. Um, it's just – it's always someone. I mean, even that Keyshawn Johnson guy, the freshman – I mean, that kid could play. He doesn't play any minutes right now, but, I mean, he'll play next year. So I've just been totally impressed with the Aztecs. Uh, college basketball is watered down. They have a shot to win the national championship. I don't care about people's power rankings. I saw some clowns in Vegas, you know, gambling guys. And then they, one of the guys had a power rankings, the Aztecs 28. Dude, you're not watching. There's no fucking way there's a 28th best team in in college basketball. He's like, I'd have 27 teams on a neutral site um, favored against them. Well, you're going to lose about 20 of those games minimum. Minimum. They are covering spreads left and right. Definitely in the second half they're covering spreads. Uh, I don't know if they covered the second half against Boise, but I think they've covered the spread five or six in a row. I want to say, I would guess... Point spread wise, I would say they're probably like seventeen and nine or eighteen and eight. You know, of the twenty six, I mean they they have to be over sixty percent covering a spread because they have dominated the spread from what I've looked at. I don't bet college basketball only until the tournament, but if they could get a one seed in the West, and I think it's going to come down to that BYU Gonzaga game, I think they have a great shot. To at least go to the Elite Eight, and the program's never gone to the Elite Eight. So if you tell me right now they're going to the Elite Eight, I would I would take that. But if they're in the West, I think they have a great shot at going to the Final Four. Um, you would get two games in LA. You got to take care of business in the second round. You know, an eight nine game, that team can beat you, and from there you could lose any game. They're not going to lose the first game to a one seed or sixteen seed. They're not Virginia. This team can score. They can defend. There's always someone that comes up with a big shot. They can shoot threes. And like I said, just the ball movement and the way that they play as a team, it's it's really exciting to watch. It's really fun to watch. It's it's really enjoyable. I mean, I just, you know, you every game you kind of like, all right, maybe they're going to play bad this game. You like you expect them to play bad eventually, and they just don't. They don't, they don't give up big runs. That's another thing. There's no 10-12-0 run. There's no 14-4 run against them because they play such good defense that a team's best run is going to be like 6-7 points on them. To me, it never gets to 10. And when you do that and the way that they can shoot threes and score quick on people, they're always going to you know, keep adding on. And I just... I'm really impressed with Dutcher. He should be coach of the year and the Aztecs need to pony up um, and pay that man. Do not let that guy go. Um, let's transition to the NFL draft. I'm a huge Lions fans, and you know Tua kind of got medically. There was good medicals on him lately, so it sounds like he's going to go in the top five for sure. Now, um, I haven't really studied Tua, and I need to study him. But as a Lions fan, I'm starting to get the sense like. I don't I don't believe the Lions are going to trade Stafford. I mean, they can't trade him this year. But if Tua is as good as everyone thinks he is, then I think I would not be I would not be pissed off if the Lions took Tua. 
And I'm like the biggest Stafford fan you're ever going to find. I think he's one of the most underrated players in all sports that I've seen in my entire life. I mean, the guy's carried the team. He's had he's he's got the worst organization. Them, the Bengals, you know, a couple other organizations are really terrible too. Um, if he was on a different organization, I think people would say Stafford's a top five quarterback year in and year out. They went zero and eight without him, and I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all, like at all, as a Lions fan. Now, you put him on a different organization. He would have playoff wins. That's like the big knock. He has zero playoff wins. Okay, well, if he was on a different order. They won one playoff game since 1957. You think that's on Stafford or you think it's on the fucking organization? It's on the organization. I wish Stafford was the problem because then all you'd have to do is just draft a quarterback. And you can, you know, oh, well, he was the problem. No, it's an organizational problem. You know, they always fuck up on decisions. As far as Darius Slay goes for the Lions, um... I would probably trade him because if he's going to ask for $15 million a year and he wants four or five-year deal, there's no way I'm giving him that. I think the Lions can hold on to him and then franchise him after the year because I think he's already at, I don't know how old he is, but he's getting up there. And he probably has two or three good years, three max in him. I would say he probably has two good years in him. So if I'm the Lions, I either keep him and franchise him after this year or I trade him and I, I got to get like a second rounder and something else you can't give me a third rounder and that's it I need more than just the third rounder if you give me a second rounder for him I'm cool with that um going back to Tua and like the talk with him I don't understand why people aren't talking about Washington either a taking Tua or Washington trading with Miami the Chargers who who whoever to get Tua because if you're going to trade with the Lions, you have to wait till draft day to trade with the Lions. Because let's say Miami trades with the Lions a week before the draft. Okay, then the Lions get the 26th pick and the 5th pick for the 3rd pick. All the Chargers have to do is say, okay, well, we'll just pass you up and trade with Washington. You know? And you're not going to trade up to get, you know, Chase Young if you're Miami. I mean, you're trading up to get Tua. So, I don't know why people aren't thinking that Washington is the spot to trade. I understand Washington would take the best player and Chase Young and this and that. He's a defensive, he's, he's not a quarterback. Quarterbacks always go higher than people think. Um, you trade up for quarterbacks. Yeah, you could trade up for a defensive player, uh, an edge rusher like Chase Young and stuff like that. That's all fine, but... You don't usually do that in the top five, or you, at least you shouldn't. Um, I think Washington is either A, going to take Tua or trade that pick, or at least I wouldn't be surprised. If they take Chase Young, I mean, I'm not saying that's just a dumb and they they didn't take the full value of the number two pick, but if you're Washington and you have Dwayne Haskins, or do you really think that that guy's going to win you a Super Bowl? I don't. And if you think Tua is as good as everyone else is saying, which I, I need to study him because... Tua's got, got hurt in college. I would, I'd be concerned about that. Not so much the hip injury, but just he was always kind of dinged up. He was always, like, questionable. Remember, he was questionable in the LSU game. He, oh, he might not play the LSU game. Um, he got hurt, you know, the previous season. Uh, he, was, he was questionable a lot of times. Like, he got banged up. And you, for him to be valuable, he has to run around, too. So he's going to get banged up in the pros. Now, the rules are different, so... 
it's not as much as a concern as it was in the 80s and 90s, but still, with that said, if he's going to get banged up at Alabama with all that talent around him, all those offensive linemen that are, you know, first-rounders, you know, Willis or whatever the tackle is, Willis, I think his name is, he's going to the first round. Um, Leatherford came back. I think there's some other guy, whatever. And then they have four receivers that possibly are first-rounders. Jerry Judy's going top 15, top 10 probably. He's a first-rounder. I mean, he gets such separation. He's like Keenan Allen, man. He gets such separation. Great route runner. Um, Henry Ruggs is probably like Deshaun Jackson. So he's got, uh, you know, uh, Devontae Smith next year is probably a first-rounder. And then um, number 17, what's his name? Waddle. He's going to be a first-rounder. I mean, you have four first-rounders the kid's been throwing to. And the year before, he had Irv Smith, the tight end that went to Minnesota, was a second-rounder. So the kid has so much fucking talent. He's, you have to evaluate that, too. Like, how open are these guys when he's throwing the football to them? With that said, everyone says he's like, you know, if he was healthy, oh, he'd be ahead of Burrow. Well, if that's the case, then going back to Detroit, I would not mind if Detroit took him. I really wouldn't, as much as I like Stafford, because you could... He's not going to play the first year anyways. You want to redshirt Tua anyways. Most most of these teams, whoever takes him, I would assume they at least redshirt him the first eight weeks, if not the whole season. So let's say the Lions redshirted him. Stafford plays. Stafford has a good year. And you could trade Stafford. You could get picks for Stafford. And you already got your guy for next year in Tua. So you get, you know, two first-rounders for Stafford the following year. Or first in, you know, Bolo to second rounders or something whatever I would not mind that for the Lions because you, you always have to draft everyone wants to draft for that year and everyone you know Padre fans do this Charger fans every every fan base is always looking at that year you can't just look at it that year you always have to look at two three years from now and if two is as good as they say I would not mind the Lions taking them I think it's a valuable pick um I love Stafford. He's probably my favorite player I've ever, you know, had. Definitely for the Lions. Um, even over Barry and Calvin Johnson. Those guys were great players. Obviously, they were better. But Stafford's more valuable than those guys have ever been because he plays quarterback. Those guys play running back and receiver. Going back to the receiver, I've always kind of deemed receivers and been like, ah, you shouldn't pay them or shouldn't draft them high. I'm coming off of that. I'm coming off of that. The league has changed, and you watch a team like Kansas City, and what's the position? Obviously, they have Mahomes, okay? I'm not – he's the best quarterback in the league. It's not even close. But when you got a Tyreek Hill and a burner like that, and then Sammy Watkins, another burner, it just opens up everything for everyone else. Kelsey eats, dude, because those guys are – you know, Harmon. I mean, they got three burners. So receiver position, to me, the value has gone way up, way up in the last couple of years. Just because it's a passing league and especially fast receivers. I used to be like, ah, those small little Smurf receivers, I wouldn't draft them high. I would draft Henry Ruggs so freaking high. I don't know why I see all these mock drafts. He's like in the mid-20s. I would draft that guy probably in the top 15. I would draft Jerry Judy in the top 10. I used to never say shit like that. The only receiver, you know, I used to say, like, draft in the top 10 was Calvin Johnson, you know, A.J. Green, and Julio Jones type because they're big and they're physical. You know, A.J. Green wasn't the most physical, but 
you know, I, I wanted those real tall receivers. I wouldn't have drafted, you know, some other guys that went top 10, what have you. But I would pay receivers like the Lions, Kenny Galladay. I'd pay them, you know, as long as it's not 20 million, you know. I mean, I'd pay Galladay 15 million a year, whatever he wants. Um, I, my, I've changed my ways on the receiver position, but I do think the best thing that could happen for the Lions, this is my dream situation, is they trade back from three to five, and they get the 26th pick and the, and the fifth pick, and then, I don't know why no one's even talking about this, is if the Raiders want a quarterback, and it's a young quarterback, and there is kind of a rumor going around that John Gruden likes Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert, what if the Raiders, if the Lions had five, you know, Tua goes three to the Dolphins, uh, four, you know, Jeff Adoku from Ohio State, and then at five, what if the Raiders traded up because they want to pass up the Chargers and they take Justin Herbert, so the Lions go back to 12 and 19, so then the Lions would have 12, 19, and 26. Like, that would be my dream. But I don't think that'll happen because I think Washington's going to be the team that trades. I think Washington's going to end up trading with Miami or the Chargers, and I believe that two is going to go at number two, and then I think Chase Young is going to be a Detroit Lions. So that's how I think the draft will go. Um, but if the Lions, if two is available, either the Lions have to trade out or they have to take two. If they take Jeff Odoku at three and don't trade back and two is available, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Even though I love Jeff Odoku, it's just you didn't take as much value on that pick. And that would piss me off. I wouldn't mind if they traded back to five, still got Jeff Odoku, or... Or Brown, you know, Derek Brown from Auburn. I mean, I think he's a little overrated. I don't see that much of a pass rush from Derek Brown. I mean, he's going to stuff the run. He's got the bull rush, and he's got like the Reggie White, you know, club where he just throws people. But you you try just to outstrength everyone in the NFL. I don't think it's going to work as much in college. You got to you got to have some pass rushing moves. I don't really see the pass rushing moves from him. So I think some people are a little, little higher on him than I am. Um, I like the kid from Iowa, Espineza. I think he's really good. Uh, who else do I like? That's well, Henry Ruggs. I already talked about. Uh, I'm not an Isaiah Simmons guy. Not in the top ten. There's no way I draft that guy in the top ten. I don't know what position he's going to play. And if he plays, I think his best position is basically outside linebacker, weak side outside linebacker. That's just off the ball linebacker that's, you know, he'll blitz, you know, some and he can shut down tight ends, you know, and that's valuable. It's just, I don't, in the top 10, you got to take, in my opinion, quarterback, offensive tackle, um, edge rusher, cornerback. And then, you know, if it's an elite, elite receiver. But if it's not that, I don't I don't see why you'd take that in the top ten. Look, also, I would have taken um, the guard that went to the Colts. I'm drawing a blank from Notre Dame. Nelson, is it Nelson? Um, I would have taken him too. But that's just like a rare occasion. Oh, and, and then, you, well, you could take any defensive lineman. I would take a defensive tackle too in the top ten. But I'm not taking a safety in the top ten. I'm not taking an off-the-ball linebacker in the top ten. 
I'm just not doing that. I'm not taking – I wouldn't have taken really a tight end. Lions took Hawkinson. I mean, it's a safe pick. It was at eight. It wasn't that big of a reach, but I probably wouldn't have taken that either. They should have probably taken Ed Oliver, but what have you. Um, so that's all I got for tonight. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, maybe give a retweet so some other people can hear it. I like to do both podcasts and Periscope. Periscope, you know, gets you guys more involved. But sometimes I like to do these podcasts so I can just rant and not get the comments stop me sometimes on the Periscope. So, all right then. Till the next time. Good night.